Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. Welcome to Episode 3 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest this week is a very special one. He spent more days as Ring of Honor World Champion than anyone else. He spent more days as Ring of Honor World Television Champion than anyone else. He's a former ROH Pure Champion. He's currently one half of the ROH World Tag Team Champions, and he's the ROH Wrestler of the Decade, as voted on by you, the fans. He is the franchise of Ring of Honor, Mr. Jay Lethal. Jay, welcome to the show. Well, um, <laughs> my, what an intro. Uh, I may have to have you intro me into every room that I walk in after that. <laughs> wow. That, that, it really, when just hearing those things, I can't even believe that I've gotten to do uh, half of those things. That's unreal to me. It is quite a resume. I mean, the uh, geez, the introduction lasted longer than some podcasts, I think. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay, let me start off just by asking you the standard question. Okay. Um, and when I say standard question, I'm not talking about the John Stossel standard question to Dr. D. David Schultz. I well, that's good because uh, I'm not <laughs> near you right now, so you'd right. be safe. You would be safe. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so the standard question nowadays is, how have you been occupying your time during the quarantine? What have you been doing? Oh, wow. Um, okay, so... Uh, I had to rush back home to make the uh, time that we set to do this uh, podcast because I was at my, uh, the, the lady who makes my gear, I'm, I'm always helping her, um, especially since right now she's got, she's pumping out these masks um, and, you know, her first order was a hundred masks which she donated um, and then, you know, she's getting countless orders from New Jersey and New York and since I'm a Jersey boy, you know, uh, any orders from there really touched my heart. I had to send out a couple masks to my mom and my dad and my brothers. So most of my time has been spent helping her um, just because I'm a big believer in uh, she's blessed and got to be blessed for what she's doing. And she's trying, um, which is uh, for some is the most the most they can do. For some people, all they can do is just stay in doors, which is just, it's definitely enough just staying in. But um, some people like to go above and beyond or try a little extra. And she's been blessed with the uh, the gift of sewing, which I wish that I had. <laughs> um, it saved me a lot of money on ring gear, it would. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's what I've been doing with most of my time. Also, I can't tell you how many bike rides and walks that I have been on. Um, I got a new bike. That's how much I've been riding lately. I've been trying to do this thing where I ride 30 miles every morning, and that's going great so far. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to do a lot of things that I was like, oh, I wish I had more time to do this, like the bike riding and a couple projects around the house. I'm building this fire pit in the backyard. And um, yeah, just getting to do some projects and such that I haven't had the time to do. And helping my gear lady with these masks. 
Well, that's awesome, Jay. The the work you're doing with the mask. That's um, I, I applaud you for that. That's awesome. Thank um, you. I, I applaud her. Um, I mean, sure. I'm I just she does the bulk of the work. I'm just the the helper. But anything that I can do to 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 help this situation, um, I'm all for. Awesome. Um, so the last time that you were in the ring, I guess, was early March. Is this the longest stretch that you've gone without actually wrestling? And the second, well, the second part of that yeah. question is, could that actually be a good thing as far as giving your body a break from the, the pounding? Um, okay, so the first part, yes, this is the longest I've ever gone without uh, actually wrestling. And the crazy part is I broke my arm not too long ago, and that should have been the longest <laughs> stretch I had not performing, but it wasn't. Yeah, this has definitely been the longest, and i got to tell you um, – in the beginning, for some of the wrestlers, it's a it's a curse. You're like, oh, no, I don't want to. And then somewhere along the way, each wrestler has thought, well, maybe it's a good thing. I'm, my body's getting to rest. But then it goes on so long that you break out and you go back to the original thought, which is, oh, man, this is this is not good. I just want to be in the ring because that's it's what we all dream of. It's all, what every wrestler loves doing, being in the in that ring in front of the crowd. So. Uh, I guess it is a blessing. We're getting to rest our bodies, but uh, some of us don't see it as a blessing. I personally, um, like I said, I saw it as a curse. Then I saw it as a blessing, and now I'm back to it being a curse. I just <laughs> want this to be over. I just want to get in the ring and perform in front of uh, people, whether they love it or they hate it. Uh, I just, um, yeah, I really want to get back in the ring. It's a curse for me right now understood i think we're all um i think you guys the wrestlers themselves i think the fans i think we're all just ready um you know we try to like you said we try to turn this sort of in a, a negative into a positive do some right. things maybe we didn't have a chance to do but yeah i think it's at the point now where we're like we're all we want to get back to some sense of, of normalcy Definitely. especially the the ring of honor wrestlers I, i'd be remiss to say i'd love to point out that you know, there are some companies out there doing these empty arena matches, and it's kudos to them. I mean, what a great thing. you got to give the people who are stuck at home something to watch. And uh, as much as some of the wrestlers on our Ring of Honor roster would love to do the same, uh, just because we, we just need to get something out there for our fans at the risk of not only our bodies being hurt in the ring, but also our health now with the virus. I know a lot of wrestlers on our roster would still be willing to go out, but Ring of Honor management actually cares so much about us that, uh, and this is not a knock on any other promotion, but uh, they really, really care so much about us. They, they don't want us in harm's way. They don't want us in the airports and in the hotels um, for, for fear that any of us could get sick. Uh, and they know that we've got this burning desire to perform and to put a show out there for our fans. Um, but they're, they're actually really cautious with us. And I, I, I got to tip my hat. Um, and I, I, man, I just, if I couldn't love Ring of Honor any more than I did before when they made me the world champion, I, I got to say I love them ten times as much, knowing how much they care about each and every one of us. And it's not about, you know, the dollar sign or, you know, making money. We got to put this show on. Like, they really put our health um, at the forefront. And I I, I got to say, I, I love this company. Man, that's amazing. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jay. And I think it 
It really is. It's look when when we first canceled the shows in March anniversary weekend. That's when you know other companies, as you said, were starting to do empty arena shows. And my my first thought right. was just because I really wanted to see those shows was, yeah, man, could could we have done an empty arena or or whatever? Right. But then right. when you th- when you look at it in hindsight, though, when you get over that initial disappointment of wow, these were going to be great shows, you really understand what went into the decision. And I do think looking at it in retrospect, airing on the side of caution was absolutely the right move. And I think, as you know, we just canceled. Uh, all the shows for June, which again, it's it's disappointing when you have to when you see more great shows. You know they were going to be great; they're not going to take place. But again, I think it's the right thing, and I think we'll come back when it's safe to come back. Right, right, hundred percent. Well, we we mentioned uh, your your lengthy list of accolades at the top of the show. I just have to ask you: one of those was uh, being named ROH Wrestler of the Decade, which was voted on by the fans. What does that mean to you? Could you put that into words just to be voted the Ring of Honor Wrestler of the Decade by the fans themselves? Whew, wow, that's a, that's a tough one to put into words, especially since uh, it's more so a feeling, um, this indescribable feeling. And, and the best way I can put it is, you know, I have been wrestling for almost uh i believe it's almost 19 years now uh and every time that i've been hurt every time that i've you know driving back to a hotel and my neck or my back is bothering me or i'm just so worried days before a big event because i want to deliver something interesting and i want to leave nothing uh left in the ring um and all of the birthdays that i've missed and the special events like missing friends weddings um it just for me it it makes it all worth it um to know that even if you told me that i didn't win maybe if even if you told me that I, i had only gotten a few votes um I lost by a landslide, but I got a few votes. Even then, <laughs> I would feel the same as I do now, which is the fact that even one or two people voted for me uh, to be the wrestler of, of even the wrestler of the week or just the wrestler of the day. To me, it makes it, what a, man, it, this whole ride was, it was all worth it for that. Well, I'm going to ask you again to put something else into words that might be hard, which is, uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> hey, you get the tough, you get the tough questions on the RRH Strong that podcast. That right? is, these are tough. You're digging deep, Kevin. Yeah. These are tough questions. Oh, uh, we're just getting started, Jay. You don't. Well, I got some things in store for you, but uh, the next question is, uh, being the longest, you've held the ROH World Championship for more combined days than anyone else, 707 days. Now, the man whose record that you broke was Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe held that record for 15 years. He did his all-in-one reign, but it was 645 days. I want to ask you, though, the fact that you got that record, um, I'm sure was is gratifying in, in and of itself. But to surpass a guy who mentored you early in your career, and I know who meant a lot to you, Samoa Joe, did it take on any extra meaning because it was Joe? Well, here's the th- <laughs> Here's the thing about that. Um, Joe and I have had this, you know, I, I, I love Samoa Joe. I love him with all my heart. Uh, we have had this, well, 
maybe not we. I have had this long going rivalry with him where I just I try to beat him in anything that I can possibly beat him in. Now, video games, I don't know if many people know this, but he is amazing at video games. I've yet to play a video game with him that I could beat him at. Uh, he's amazing at mixed martial arts. There was a time uh, right after Special K where I thought if I could just get the jump on him, I could make him submit or tap out. There would be these weird moments in the locker room where I would randomly jump on him in the middle of him, like, you know, changing, getting ready for his match. <laughs> uh, it would never work into my favor. He would always tap me out. I just, no matter how hard I tried, I could never beat Samoa Joe in, in anything. Now, the, the crazy part about this is, now this, I, uh, although combined, I have beaten him when you combine the reins, but he will hold it over my head that he did it all in one title reign. Now, um, this, <laughs> this uh, he will hold over my head forever. Now, this is it's going to be this whole back and forth where uh, forever and a day uh, for the rest of our friendship, I'm going to tell him that I beat him, and he's going <laughs> to always say that I didn't because uh, he did it all in one reign. Uh, now, so with that said, uh, another reason that I love Samoa Joe so much, other than our friendship, is I, I really admire and look up to everything that he has accomplished, everything that he has done in wrestling, and his skills both in and out of the ring. I, I look up to him so much, um, and I hope that I could uh, leave a mark on wrestling um, the way that he has. So anytime that my name uh, can be mentioned in the same sentence or category. Putting my name next to his is just one of the biggest honors. I mean, again, it, it goes back to that every time I've been hurt or everything I've had to miss, it, that it makes it all worth it to me. Um, so just to have my name mentioned along with his tells me that I, maybe I did do something right along the way. I would I would say so. I think that's an understatement. Um, <laughs> well, one one thing that Samoa Joe has never done, which you had never done until this past December, which is be one half of the ROH World Tag Team Championships. You won those belts at Final well, Battle in December okay. with Jonathan Gresham. Well, well, well here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. Okay. Uh, Samoa Joe again will hold it over my head because he has. Um, now, there was a chance where Samoa Joe and I teamed, and we went after the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, but we lost, uh, and I was the one who got pinned, so he will forever say that we didn't become the Tag Team Champions, or he never got to become Tag Champions because of me. So you blew uh, it. So I, I blew it. it is, <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> so I, I cost him that opportunity to say that he was... <laughs> Uh, tag champions, although I have been tag champions, so I guess I do beat him uh, in that aspect. You do beat him in that aspect, and you won those titles, of course, with Jonathan Gresham. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. How did the tag team with you and Jonathan Gresham come about? Well, um, when, when I when I got to see Jonathan Gresham's work, I instantly... Uh, dreamed of stepping into the ring with him. There's for some wrestlers there's sometimes 
where one wrestler will see another wrestler perform and they instantly start thinking about things that they could do together in a match. And for, for me, when, when I saw Jonathan Gresham, it's all I could think about for weeks on end. And I remember begging Ring of Honor uh, to please let me get the chance to work with him. Now, of course, that didn't happen right away. Uh, it took some begging. I had to beg a lot. Uh, and they may have gotten tired of me begging. I'm not really sure. Or they just, you know, eventually, you, if you stick around long enough, you'll get to work with everybody. So maybe it was a combination of me begging so much and the cards just falling into proper placement. Uh, but I got to step into the ring with Jonathan Gresham and it made me love uh, his in-ring ability even more. Now, the, the teaming, from what I can remember, I don't think we asked the team or I don't really remember how that worked. I think it was just they thought that we worked so well together against each other in the ring that I think it was just natural that they put us together. Um, I know I get hit in the head a lot, but I, I really can't remember how it came about for, for uh, Gresham and I to actually start teaming. Unfortunately, I okay. can't really remember. Well, as you said, you just had so much uh, respect for him as what he what he could do in the ring that you wanted to work with him in any capacity. Cor and, correct. Uh, right. And I think you're right. I think the matches were so good. Um, and we told a good story there, I think, as well, which obviously Jonathan was starting to take some shortcuts. You you were against that. And the question was, well, what's going to happen eventually? And what we saw happen, which is I really love the twist of you started to see it his way. And we saw a change for you and, and forming this right. partnership with uh, – with Jonathan Gresham, which I think has been, I think it's a really good story. And that actually leads I, I right think... into my next question, which is, uh, look, I know you've worked heel in the past, but you've worked, you've got so much goodwill built up with the fans over the years. So I got to ask you, is it a challenge to be a heel and to, and to get them to boo you? Because, I mean, that's your job at this point is to get a negative reaction and to get the fans to cheer the baby faces that you're working with. Well, uh, well, this one has a little depth to it. Uh, <laughs> these deep questions, Kevin. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so for starters, uh, when I got into the wrestling business, or even before I got into the wrestling business, I've always dreamed about being the bad guy. I just, there was something about being the heel that I just, I said, I can't wait till I can do that. Um, as luck would have it, as soon as I got into the wrestling business, uh, they made me a babyface. Um, and I was really a babyface for almost my entire career thus far. Um, it was, whew, I think I had been a babyface for almost 10 years straight. Meanwhile, deep down inside, I just wanted to be that bad guy. Now, on the same token, I know you mentioned that, uh, you know, the bad guy is supposed to get that negative reaction, but... Wrestling has changed, I believe, Kevin, to where if if you're doing a proper job of being a bad guy, then you can still be cheered even though you're doing your job properly because some people just love to love the bad guy. And I think that I was one of those people. And I think that's why I wanted to become a bad guy is because I loved to love the bad guy. Um, so... I know I was trailing off there for a second. Um, I love being the heel. I really do. And in this, the, the landscape of professional wrestling, I don't think that I was doing a bad job because I was getting some cheers. Now, you, you mentioned that I, you know, I've 
I've put in so much time, especially as a good guy, that it's, it can, I feel like it can be hard for people to want to boo me, if I can, if that makes sense. I, I don't know if that even, you know, sometimes we think of stuff and in our head it makes sense, but once it comes out in words, you're like, ooh, I don't know if that that's proper. But I, I do believe that sometimes it's hard to be, for me to be booed. Um, I really got to go out of my way. Um, but that there, there, that's not a bad thing, though, because I, I really do feel that if you're doing your good, if you're doing a good job as a bad guy, sometimes people love that, and they the bad guy is cool because cool trumps all. Yes, um, but it's it's cool. <laughs> sometimes it's just you're just the cool bad guy. Nothing wrong with that. I don't think so. I, I'm with, um, I'm with you. I'm with you, Jay. When I growing up as a kid. To me, like I grew up um, on the East Coast, like you. I grew up in a. I'm so old, Jay. I remember the WWWF. Okay, so I grew up having grown up in Baltimore. Um, when I started watching wrestling, Bruno San Martino was champion. But I always like. I thought the good guys, especially in the WWWF territory, were always so squeaky clean and cookie cutter. That's not a knock on Bruno or obviously you know anybody else, but. Man, I loved superstar Billy Graham. I loved the Valiant Brothers. Um, you know, later on, I, when Larry Zbysko turned heel, I loved all those guys because I thought they were so much more interesting. And back then, it was a really small portion of the audience that cheered the bad guys. Like, I would be at the Baltimore Civic Center back then, 10,000 people there. I think 9,500 of them were cheering for Bruno, and I was one of the probably less than 500 people cheering for Larry Zabisco. And people took it so serious. If you cheered for the bad guy, man, you got some dirty looks and because people took it so seriously back then. But I'm with right. you. I always thought the heels were more interesting than the baby faces. Hey, Kevin. And, yeah. Hey, Kevin. Uh, you want to know something, too, uh, about that? Um, and, I, man, just because we're – you know we're you know we're behind the curtain so to speak. I have always growing up when I was a wrestling fan. When it comes to promos, wrestling promos, I didn't. I never wanted to hear the good guys talk. Nope. I just wanted to hear the bad guys talk. I thought the bad guys promos were way cooler. They were way more interesting, um, especially today. Uh, nowadays, I it's so hard. I think it's way harder to do a good guy promo than it is to do a bad guy promo. Um, not that I want to take the easy way out and be the bad guy, but when you're the bad guy, you can just you can get away with saying so much more. Although to be a good guy and have that good promo, it does take a lot more skill. And I don't know. I'm just if I had to pick one, I would I'll listen to a million heel promos over one babyface promo. I would agree with you, and I think growing up, though, there was one real big exception to the rule, and that was whenever the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, came to the old WWF territory. He, like, that wasn't Bob Backlund, that wasn't Bruno, that wasn't, you know, Chief J. Strongbow saying, gee whiz, fans, I hope you all get behind me, and I'm going to try my best. That was a heel promo cut as a baby face, though. Right, right. <laughs> I so wanted Dusty Rhodes to get a run as the WWF champion rather than Bob Backlund, but obviously wasn't in the cards. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that would have been amazing. All right. Well, he is Jay Lethal. I'm Kevin Eck, and uh, we will be back for more of the RH Strong podcast right after this very short break. 
Motor Nation, we heard you. Fantastic matches from Ring of Honor's 2010 archive are now exclusively on Honor Club. Relive history such as Tyler Black's championship run, Kevin Steen versus El Generico, the rise of Kenny Omega, the Kings of Wrestling versus the Briscoes, Roderick Strong, Christopher Daniels, Colt Cabana, and more. Sign up today at rohonorclub.com as we continue to add historic events from 2002 to 2010. All right, we are back here with the franchise of Ring of Honor, Jay Lethal. We were just talking with Jay about uh, how much goodwill he's built up with the fans and why it might be tough for him to get booed at this point. And I want to continue along those, um, go down those same lines as far as your tenure in in Ring of Honor. I don't want to make you sound old, Jay, because you're not. I know you just turned 35. Happy birthday, by the way. Um, You're very much still at the top of your game. But you're, you're a guy who's been here through the ups and downs and the in-between. So you have a unique perspective when it comes to the state of the company. So I just want to ask you right now, obviously we're not running shows. We haven't run shows for a few months. But what's your take, a uh, big picture, on the state of ROH, uh, the roster as it's currently constructed, and thoughts on the future of the company? Well, first off, I, I want to thank the people who uh, are still listening after we came back from break especially with my boring, you know, sometimes when I hear my voice back, I really think that I sound like the, what's that guy's name? Ben Stein, you know, the dry yes. eyes. Yeah. Clear yeah. eyes is awesome. <laughs> uh, I, so I hate listening to my voice back because I, I feel like I sound so boring and I put people to sleep. But if you're still there, thank you very much. Now, my take on the current state of Ring of Honor uh, as of right now, I think it's very strong. I really do. I think when you compare our roster to others, much like any era, uh, Ring of Honor has always had uh, a very strong, uh, it's a perfect word, a very strong roster. Um, And especially since, or when you take into consideration the state of the world, um, I think uh, especially what we're doing with the way our TV show is cut. Uh, we're trying to offer something a little different than these empty arena shows. I mean, Ring of Honor is always trying to go above and beyond. Um, and I mean, what else could you ask for as far as that? Uh, especially since every few years go by, Ring of Honor is currently always trying to reinvent itself. They're, they're trying to find fresh new talent uh, constantly. I mean, you know, it's an understatement. Every wrestler company is do, trying to do that, aren't they? Well, I think one company does that better than others. I mean, when you look at guys like Bandito, I mean, huh, I, I think I, if I dreamed about doing some of the stuff he would, he can do, I think I'd wake up uh, and be very, very sore uh, for the rest of that day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think the current state of Ring of Honor is very strong. Looking towards the future, I think Ring of Honor is going to do what they always do and produce the best uh, professional wrestling on the planet. And I really do believe that. Um, I love this company. I'm, I'm here to stay. Uh, and I'll fight tooth and nail. Like I said, I'm one of those guys who believe that if Ring of Honor wanted me to, I would get on an airplane with my mask right now and and, and wrestle in any arena or wherever they told me to. Um, but the company's looking out for us, and they want us to stay home and and remain safe for the time being. Um, 
And with values like that, when they, I mean, how can the company not grow? How can the morale uh, not be super high when you got the, the company looking out for you? And, ah, oh, man, just the, the sky's the limit for this place. 100%. And and you mentioned the, the great roster of, of talent, the deep roster. I was just, we, we did a thing on the website recently, ROHwrestling.com, of potential dream matches, matches that haven't happened in an ROH ring yet. Number one on the list was you against the current ROH world champion, Roosh. You guys have never faced each other. That's and, right. And I looked, I, I did a little research, and according to what I found, you've also never faced in a one-on-one -on -one match Jeff Cobb, Dragon Lee, you mentioned Bandito, Brody King, Joe Hendry, and Slex. Now, those are first-time matches that I certainly wouldn't want to miss. I mean, what are your thoughts about, like, when I when I mention those guys that you've never worked with and the potential for those matches happening at some point down the line? Uh, I'd, I'd love it. I mean, any chance to get to step into the ring uh, with any current, past, uh, or present uh, Ring of Honor world champion, um, I will always take. <laughs> I will always take that uh, that bet. Uh, so to get to Russell Roosh, which I'm surprised hasn't happened, and all these dream matches, I'm sure they will happen. Like I mentioned before, if you if you're here long enough, you will eventually step in there with everybody, um, which I'm looking forward to because I I would love to step into the ring with every one of those people that you just mentioned. Um, but the fact that some of those haven't happened yet, uh, to me, it's a little crazy. I mean, but I can't, you know, have three, four matches on one show at a time. <laughs> although, although uh, I did have two matches on a show one time uh, when I was both Ring of Honor World Champ and Ring of Honor Television Champion. Uh, but yeah, that was that was yeah. I would love to step into the ring with uh, any one of those guys that you mentioned, especially Mr. World Champion himself, Roosh. Yes, that as they used to say, that's a main event in any arena in the country. So. <laughs> <laughs> you or even something I, even outside the country. <laughs> I, I would. There was this indie show I used to do in uh, Massachusetts, and I would. Uh, I remember I would be like match number three or four. Uh, never the main event this place. Uh, and I remember the ring announcer would always say before my match, this could be a main event anywhere. And me and whoever I was wrestling at the time would always chuckle because uh, we, we were never main event there. So what did, what is that? What does that really say? If, yeah. If this main event main anywhere, event but here. <laughs> <laughs> this could be a main event anywhere except for here. <laughs> uh well jay let me ask you here, here's a here's another one of those uh deep questions for you uh, yeah you're you've achieved this as we've said this this lofty status in, in ring of honor which you're basically in a position where you can lose right and it doesn't hurt you it can only elevate the guy you're working with and we could cite the examples guys that you've put over in the past couple of years, Jonathan Gresham, Kenny King, Silas Young, uh, Adam Page, Bobby Fish, all those guys in singles matches you did the honors for. Uh, Mark Haskins and Dan Moth in tag matches. So the question, though, is, I mean, and it's it's great. It's It says a lot about your character that you're always willing to do business. Does there come a point, though, when a guy in your spot has to say, you know what, I can't lose too many times because then a win over me doesn't mean anything 
you want to know, I, I'm, I'm, this is the honest truth. Uh, there has been times in Ring of Honor uh, where I have, you know, I don't get my way all the time, but there's been times where I had to beg to lose. Um, there's been times where I stepped in the ring with people and I'm like, well, I, I don't really need to win this match. Can we, is there any way, like, it would do so much, it would do wonders for this person if they won. Um, because I, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I, I do believe that I have gotten to a point where the, the wins and losses, I mean, unless we're in a tournament and there's brackets and such, uh, the regular matches just to uh, to fill up a card. I don't believe a loss there would really hurt me, um, and that that's not me being cocky. That's just I, I understand where I lie. Um, but yeah, there has been times where I've tried to beg for someone else to win other than me. Um, Although, yeah, I, I have seen, I won't mention names, uh, I've been in plenty of different locker rooms, so it's easy to hide who I'm talking about or the people that I'm talking about, but I have seen times where guys don't want to lose, um, so it is, I, I have seen that situation that you're talking about, um, higher-ups, uh, guys on the bottom of the card, guys who maybe feel like uh, they've done more than they think they've done. So it really breaks my heart to uh, to see that kind of stuff and to hear that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I've actually tried to do the opposite. I, I've begged multiple occasions, and you can ask the booker, I've begged him multiple times to, uh, to have me lose. Now, he doesn't listen to me all the time um, because... Uh, you know, a lot of people think that I get my way, but I, I, I really don't. <laughs> I have to beg and beg and beg um, for, for even uh, one or two things to go my way. But that's one of the best parts about Ring of Honor, though, because they they, they do listen to your requests. Um, you, you, there's a open door. You can always go in and talk to the booker or and have them hear you and. And consider what you're saying, but then again, you don't have to do that because you're in good hands if you don't. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I've always been a big believer in just you know do what you're told. But there have been certain times where I, I thought that uh, somebody else should be winning other than me. Gotcha. One of the guys I just mentioned there, um, which you did the honors for him in a tag team match, was Dan Moth. Um, did he help train you? Is that? Correct. He did. Uh, he did. Um, wow. Oof. Uh, my start in the professional wrestling business was due to a contest. Uh, this company called Jersey All Pro Wrestling <clears throat> during the time of Tough Enough on MTV. Uh, it was so big that Jersey All Pro Wrestling, this indie company in New Jersey, wrestling company, uh, they wanted to have a contest much like that. Now, they didn't have the money or a big house to put people in and a big film crew. Uh, so this would be a contest over uh, about a four-hour span. Um, and what they did was they taught you how to fall and they taught you how to run the ropes and whoever could do these things the best they'd pick three winners and dan moff was actually one of the four judges um and i remember i was only 15 when i uh entered into the contest 
And as luck would have it, I was not one of the three winners that they picked. And I remember as I was walking back to my dad, who, who took off work, he sat in the back and watched the whole time um, as I walked back to him with shame, head lowered, because <laughs> I just lost, and he took off work, and he took the time. Uh, before I reached all the way over to my dad, they got back on the mic, and they said, we, we made an exception. We weren't going to pick this person because they were so young, but we're actually going to you know, take the risk. And uh, I was the fourth winner. Um, and on that judges panel was Dan Moff. And actually, Dan Moff actually got me or helped me get into Ring of Honor. I remember one day he came up to me, he goes, you know, you, you're really excelling, because he had seen me since the day that I first trained, even before I started training, up until um, maybe two years in, and he said, uh, you know, this company, Ring of Honor, they're really doing their thing. I wrestle there, they're looking for more people. Would you like me to put a word in for you? I said, of course. So he put in a good word, then he I remember him telling me, yeah, come with me to the next show, and I did, and then all of a sudden I was getting booked for Ring of Honor, and that would not have happened if it weren't for Dan Moff. Um, I owe him so much. Wow, and talk about full circle. Then Dan Moff, at this stage in his career, comes back to Ring of Honor and gets a contract. I mean, what are your thoughts about his journey and coming back? I mean, what, what does that mean what were your impressions of seeing Dan back? He came back for the uh, unauthorized show working with PCO and I, then gets signed. I couldn't be more happier. Uh, my heart is just so warmed. And, and the best part about it is um, if, you, if you polled every professional wrestler and I, I can't think of a single person who would be excluded from this list if you asked every wrestler who knew dan moff uh what their opinions are of him or rate him or what kind of person is he there is not a single person um who would have a negative thing to say i just can't think of anybody who would say anything bad about him he's one of the best most giving people um, he'll go above and beyond. He'll break his neck for you. Um, and I've seen him break his neck. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, as, as squeaky clean as I try to be, and as, as nice as I try to be to everybody, sometimes, uh, you know, whether it's rumors or maybe you have one bad day and I can think of a few people who, uh, dislike me, but as far as Dan Moff, I can't think of a single person who dislikes him or has a negative thing to say about him. So that that's what makes me even more joyous that he that he is here. Um, and man, yeah, just when I heard that he had gotten when they when they offered him a contract, I actually wasn't at the show. It was one of the only shows that I had missed, and that was due to my arm being broken. Um, I, I my eyes got teary, and I was I was so happy for him in that moment. And how cool then also that you and and Gresham get to work against Moth and Cobb in a ta in a proving it was a proving ground match if I recall correctly. Yes, um, yeah. And Moth taking taking the fall on you in that match. Yes, I mean, pretty cool. I mean, it was, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I just I I love Dan Moth to death. I w I would do anything for him. Let me bring up another name from the ROH past. It's a guy that you were scheduled to face on the past versus present show, which obviously didn't happen because of the, uh, we had to cancel the shows. This was back on March 14th. And that's 
Xavier, former ROH world champion. Uh, how much were you looking forward to that match? Uh, you have no idea. It is, I can, all I can say is I was looking forward to it, but that would be an understatement. Uh, I, uh, in my head, I had, now here's, a, it's a tough thing for me. Um, and I don't know how many people will understand this, but, uh, when, when I get to the professional wrestling shows, uh, and I sit down with my opponent for whether it's a pay-per-view or just, you know, a little house show or whatever you'd like to call it, it's hard for me to get my wrestling brain cap on and start thinking of wrestling ideas until I sit down with them and we're in the arena and then the wrestling vibe is in the air. Uh, it has been years since I have thought of different cool things to do uh, before the matches even come about. The most recent times I can remember, there's only two. One was the Madison Square Garden match, the triple threat with Taven and Marty. And the other uh, was um, Xavier's match that I was going to have at, in Las Vegas. That's how excited I was about it. I was, man, throughout the day, I remember looking on YouTube at so many uh, little Xavier vi music videos, uh, little packages uh made by the fans and that man i was looking forward to that match so much and i'm sure i'm more than sure that he was looking forward to it too so fingers crossed um that we're just putting a pause button on that past versus present show because that's definitely something that needs to happen fingers crossed that that something like that happens in new york nothing against vegas i love vegas especially since i'm a big gambler uh, but that that show had New York written all over it. So hopefully, uh, if I get my way, or uh, as luck would have it, the cards fall into place, um, then that show will happen once you know the world gets back to normal. And hopefully, it will happen in New York. I hope so. I hope that's, and I think it will. I think that I think past versus present at some point will take place. Uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, I, I think it could be a yearly thing, yeah. or at least not just the one-off and done. I, I mean, I, we can get a couple shows out of these. I mean, there's so many dream scenarios when you think about the past versus present. I remember, I don't want to spoil anything, but there were a couple names brought up who couldn't do it or they weren't ready to, but... You know, once this whole thing gets back to normal, I'm sure they'll be ready to go. So the sky's the limit, actually, on some of the cool things that could be done. No question. No question. Let me ask you uh, another sort of broader question, Jay. Um, when I look at the sort of the cornerstones of, of the locker room, I, I think of you. I think of the Briscoes. I think of Matt Taven as well. Uh, do you kind of do you guys see your well, I'll just ask you specifically since you're here. Do you see your role as sort of. Um, mentor, teacher, locker room leader? How do you view uh, your status? No, nope, no, no, no. Okay. I, 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 and the, no, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I hate looking at myself like that because then to me that means or hints at me thinking that I am somehow higher or should be put higher than someone else. Like, oh, I shudder. To think of any, I mean, no, I really don't. Now, I, I, you know, sometimes I'm referred to, I've known people like, oh, man, you should do this. You're like the locker room leader. No, I don't. I mean, I, if I have to take that role, if it will help people, I will. But when 
if I'm thinking about it from my own point of view, I don't want that role. I, I, I shudder to think I, I don't like it. Yeah, just because of everything that I feel like the undertones that exist, which means that somehow I think that I'm better or 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 know more than somebody else. I think that the coolest part to me about Ring of Honor is everybody, there's no clicks really. I mean, uh, some people have better friends than others, and some people don't each other longer, but there, there's no social, like, this These this group is the top of the card, and this group's the bottom, so they got to dress over here. Or like, everybody's on the same playing field. We're all trying to make this company as best as we can. We're trying to make it as big as we can. Um, and that puts us all on the same playing field, if you ask me. I agree with you, Jay. I've, I've been, I've worked for some other companies, and um, I've never seen a locker room as harmonious. Everything that you just said as what I've seen in Ring of Honor, where I don't see clicks. I, I don't see um, anybody backstabbing or any political. I, I mean, if it's existing, it's certainly nothing that I've ever picked up on or I've ever witnessed personally. It's been the exact opposite. It's been everyone realizing we're all in this together. We all are part of the same company and everybody has a role and everybody works their best to, to fulfill that role and to help each other out. Um, I haven't seen any, I mean, like I said, if anything like that has happened, it's certainly nothing I've ever witnessed. So I think you make a, a great point about that. And Jay, that's a good spot to take another quick break. We will be right back with Jay Lethal right after this. I'm Quinn McKay, your host of Ring of Honor Wrestling, and the new year brings tons of opportunities, including your opportunity to represent your favorite Ring of Honor star by wearing their merchandise, including me for some reason. So log on to ROHProShop.com now to get yours. All right, we are back here on the ROH Strong Podcast with the franchise of Ring of Honor. That is Mr. Jay Lethal. Jay, I don't know if you got a chance to read it, uh, but Matt Taven wrote an outstanding first-person article for ROHWrestling.com about his journey to winning the ROH World Championship at Madison Square Garden. And he said in this article that he knew if he didn't deliver in the 60-minute draw that the two of you had at the 17th anniversary show, which was three weeks prior to the MSG show, that he would have no shot of winning at MSG. Now, obviously, the two of you had a great match at Anniversary, so what I'm asking you is, what were your thoughts heading into that match, knowing that you have to go 60, and it was such an important match for the company? And another aspect of that question is, you and Taven had worked together so many times and had great chemistry, obviously, but going an hour is a completely different animal, correct? It is. Um, it's a completely different animal. Um, and the reason, the, the main reason for me that it's a completely different animal is because the attention span of, I'm, I don't want to just say the fans, the attention span of people, because even my, I mean, it's hard to sit me down for an hour to watch something. If, I, if you're not making me laugh, I kind of want to change the channel. <laughs> uh, sure. But the, the, it's hard to keep the attention of, of anybody for that long um, within one, just one match. Um, <clears throat> that was the hardest uh, and the most fearful thing about it. Um, something that I've, I've only mentioned to two people, never in an interview, just personal and personal life. Um, I've been, um, especially since about a year and a half, 
ago, I've been uh, the biggest fan of Matt Taven, um, especially his work ethic. And when I started to realize just how hard this guy works, it broke my heart that I felt he wasn't getting the attention or the respect um, that I thought he deserved. Um, now sometimes there's various reasons for that, um, none of which were his fault. I just, I really fell in love with his work ethic. So going into that Iron Man match, that 60 minute, not only did I have the fear that it was hard to, it would be hard to keep people entertained or keep them interested for the whole 60 minutes, but deep down inside, I really wanted to uh, help. I don't know if elevate is the right word, but I wanted to help show, I wanted to help Matt Taven show the world that uh, he's a damn good wrestler um, and he can go with anybody. Um, I, I, I have nothing but respect for Matt Taven. I, I really do feel like, uh, especially at that time, he was very underrated. One of the best wrestlers I've ever been in the ring with and one of the hardest workers that I've ever witnessed. And not just because I've been in the ring with him. Even before I stepped into the ring with him, I really developed this love for his work ethic. Um, and not many people know, but uh, he wrestled almost, he wrestled a few months with the, his ankle was just destroyed. Yep. Uh, he finally got around to having that surgery, but nobody realizes how long he wrestled with it damaged uh but he just man he's such a, an amazing performer and person um and i would it just i'm just honored that i get to share a, the locker room with with matt taven so um yeah those were my two things that i was looking out for in that iron man match one it was we knew it was going to be tough to keep the people interested for 60 minutes straight my god um and the other was more of a personal thing which i never told matt taven um and if he's listening then he knows now but uh i did have this burning desire to help him show everybody because i know that was a that was something weighing on him and i could tell everybody who watched matt taven could tell because i mean there's there's only one reason you go out there and you you work as hard as he worked, uh, whether you're hurting or you're not, just you, you out to prove something. And he was out to prove something. I wanted to help him prove it. Um, so, yeah, he, he's one of the best wrestlers that I have ever stepped into the ring with. Jay, let me read uh, an excerpt from the article that Taven wrote. This is Taven now um, quoting him. He says, people don't believe me when I tell them, but we didn't know the plans for the match until a couple hours beforehand. Marty, Jay, and I were brought into a small room with three Ring of Honor officials and given the news. In that moment, Jay looked at me and smiled. He stuck out his hand for a handshake and said, congratulations. I could tell by his smile that he was happy for me, but more importantly, I could tell he was proud of me and felt that I deserved it. I've, had my, I've made my share of mistakes in my life, and I've had more setbacks than I can count, but earning the respect of a person like Jay Lethal made me feel like I had made it more than any previous accomplishment. Jay, what are your reactions when you uh, when you hear wow. that? See, he he uh, wow, he got my respect, whether he realizes it or not. Well, before way before that Madison Square Garden, um, man, that's that's wild to hear. That's awesome. 
Um, yeah, and he's actually, he's he's right. We didn't know what was going on until I believe the show was about to. Start. The show might have started already. Actually, uh, and they pulled us into a separate room. It was unreal, and you know the. There was one point in that match where I stood in the ring with the ladder, held the ladder over my head. Matt Taven was on the floor on the outside, and I dropped the ladder from from the ring, holding it, holding it above my head, threw it to the outside, dropped the ladder right onto Taven. Now, that could have gone horribly wrong. I could have hit him in the head. That This was... Taven was willing, and that was not my idea, by the way. I mean, I, I like, even if it was my idea, he would have had to okay it. Uh, he was willing. If I said, hey, we're going to lower this noose and I'm going to hang you for 20, 30 seconds and pull you up, <laughs> he would have agreed to it. That, yeah. that day, and that was before we even knew what the finish or what was happening at the end of the match. He was so willing and so down to break every bone in his body. Uh, and that, to me, was one of the coolest moments. Just He was, man, Taven is amazing. He just, he'll do anything to, to please. He, he just wants to prove that he's one of the best. But to me, he's got nothing to prove. I've been in the ring with him. I've watched him for years. Um, and that, this wasn't the first program that we had well i mean i had a program a lengthy program with matt taven when i first returned back to ring of honor um but yeah he he's one of the best wrestlers i've ever been in the ring with he's awesome and i think you're right jay i think for whatever reason there was this feeling um i don't know whether it's just the fickle nature of fans but i don't they they saw taven i guess work his way up and I don't know, maybe when you see a guy in one place for a certain amount of time and he was at one spot on the card, I don't know if he gets pigeonholed or whatever, but it did right. seem like it did seem like people were having a hard time accepting Matt in that top guy role. And I anybody I ever talked to about it, I just said, are you watching the matches? Are you watching the shows? When's the last time Matt ever had a bad match? When's the last time Matt ever didn't kill it on a promo? Um, the way he carries himself, like he's the guy you know and and i think i think maybe more people got to see that eventually it's weird but i almost have a feeling like losing the title may have helped him in the you know it's it's weird people get to the they get the title and then the fans are like oh he doesn't deserve it but then after they lose it then they jump on the bandwagon it's just one of those crazy things in wrestling i think (laughs) (laughs) right 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 you know sometimes they say a lot of times you know winning and losing doesn't matter but I do believe that that is incorrect. I, I do believe that sometimes, for some people, winning and losing does matter. And not to them personally. I mean, it, it, it matters as far as how you want this person to be viewed and where you put them at on your show, what number match they are, who they're against, how much thought and effort and energy do you put into their segments. And sometimes it's this thing where, well, they're given the opportunity. The wrestler needs to run with it. He can only run with so much. I mean, you've got to. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I'm not blaming Ring of Honor management or any management. It, it just, I think it was beyond his control the way he was viewed. But I do believe he's getting the respect he deserves, especially from me. Uh, which I mean, as long as I'm respecting him. To me, that's all that matters because he has all of my respect. So I don't, I don't really, 
in that aspect, I don't care what everybody else thinks because I know that he's one of the best freaking wrestlers that I've ever been in the ring with. Absolutely. And coming from you and, and all the people that you've been in the ring with over the years, and obviously you're standing that, you know, like you said, that should be good enough for anybody. If, if, if you put the stamp of approval on them, then who is anybody else to say, nah, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but let me, uh, another thing, I want to shift gears with you just a little bit. Um, you've had a chance to work with some of your childhood heroes, right? Some of the most legendary stars of all time. I'm, I'm speaking specifically about Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Dusty Rhodes. Um, if you could, and I'm sure you've talked about this. Don't uh, forget the thing. And, uh, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what were your thoughts um, briefly? You know, I, I know you, we could probably do a whole podcast just on that, but on working with each one of those guys that you did. Uh, maybe we should do a whole podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be the next one. Uh, All right. Part two. But, um, just the, the, the little kid inside of me was just uh, running wild, so to speak. Imagine, you know, you fall in love with, with uh, I don't know, you fall in love with music or you fall in love with basketball. What are the odds of becoming a successful musician uh, or a successful basketball player or any sport? And then it's like capturing lightning in a bottle nowadays. And then you got to put on top of that getting to work with or perform with or against the person that helped shape that love for the business, uh, whichever career path you have decided to go in. I mean, that's like capturing lightning in a bottle twice, sometimes three times. And I, I feel like to work with Hogan and Flair, I remember sitting on my couch with my brothers as my dad ordered the pay-per-views for us. I just... It's un, it was unreal to me, and I really don't feel like I've fully grasped the fact that I've gotten to work with Kevin Nash and Hogan and the, the likes of Sting, and like I don't realize just yet the full gravity of getting to step into the ring with in a singles match against Jeff Hardy, and like, oh man, I think one day... Once I'm retired and I'm no longer doing anything with wrestling, I'll finally go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then my brain will explode because at that moment I, will, I would have realized, fully grasped everything that I've gotten to do. Um, and some things that people will only dream of doing um, that I've gotten to do. And it, it's, man, it's unreal. Just I really describe sometimes my wrestling career, like one of my favorite movies, my favorite movie of all time uh, is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And I sometimes feel like my wrestling career has been like Charlie winning the golden ticket. Um, and I've gotten to, man, this is like also comparable to winning the lottery. I really feel like I got this lucky ticket um, and I've gotten to do so many amazing things in the wrestling business all things that i have only dreamed of um but yeah that, that's what it's like all right we're going to take one final short break here our last break and then we'll be back with some fun with jay lethal in 2020 make sure your vision is the same because roh will be releasing its archive of all of its historic content including me winning the tag team titles huh. 
Me winning the television title, get out of town. Me winning the six-man title, you don't say. And me winning the world title at Madison Square Garden. So don't be a Melvin and join Honor Club today. All right, we are here with Jay Lethal on the ROH Strong Podcast. We've, uh, Jay, thank you so much, first of all, for being so uh, generous with your time. Um, I can't let you go, though, without talking about impressions. Um, hmm. Now, I have to ask you, first of all, you have a very distinctive voice yourself. Does anyone do a Jay Lethal impression that, that you're aware of? Uh, if they did it, I'm sure they would be asked to never do it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of this joke that Raven would always say to me. He would always go, oh, you know, your impression of uh, Ric Flair, it's great. Your impression of the Macho Man, oh, spot on. Your impression of Jay Lethal, eh, that could use some work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and he's, he's right. Uh, well, he was right, because at the time, I really didn't, as funky as it sounds, I didn't know who I was. It was easy for me to uh, be those other people. I'm just, um, especially since I'm just this, ultimately this giant fan who got into wrestling, and now he's getting to live his dreams. So uh, I always think about that one joke that Raven always said to me. That's great. Well, it's funny, because... Um... <laughs> I do I do think you have developed there's a certain cadence there's a certain cadence to the way you speak you have a very deep voice I do think it is imitatable so maybe I'll have to do some research and see if there's anybody out there that Oh you know what Shaheem Ali they they say that he has a good one now when I hear him do it uh <laughs> <laughs> I can you know I I can't believe I, that didn't pop into my head as soon as you said that uh uh, yeah, Shaheem Ali. You know, it's not bad. It's not bad, okay. although it's it's weird to. Now, I, when he does it, I I'm like, oh man, I hope this is not what Flair or Savage would think to themselves while I was doing it, because to <laughs> me it doesn't. It, <laughs> uh, although it's a great honor for it to have someone want to uh, to imitate you, I oh. guess. Okay, Shaheem. I'm gonna get Shaheem Ali on the phone at some point. We're gonna. I'm gonna Dude, judge. I'm we'll, gonna see. We'll get us both. We'll put us both on the line, and we'll read lines. There you and go. And you tell us who was who was who. Who was who? Okay. Well, Jay, you told me once before. Um, obviously, everyone knows you do the spot on Randy Savage, spot on Ric Flair. I asked you one time. I said, "Do you do anybody else?" And you said, "Yeah, I do a pretty good Jimmy South. Uh, Jimmy South. Jimmy Mouth of the South. Heart." Uh, Yes. Would now, you the, be... thing about the, Jimmy, the thing about the Jimmy Hart one is I need a megaphone. Oh, so you uh, can't do Jimmy Hart that, that, Well, you know, you got to just make your voice as high as you can, and you got to say the words. You know, he always calls me darling, which I, drives me crazy, but uh, I'll let him do it because he's Jimmy Hart. Uh, so when, whenever I would say, oh, hey, Jimmy, how you doing? He goes, oh, I'm doing good, darling. <laughs> but like i feel like it, it doesn't do it justice if i don't have that megaphone gotta have get on and hooky stay on him baby you got him that's the way baby that's pretty good yay <laughs> hey, no megaphone needed uh, oh no i think i think i need that megaphone i think stay on him hooky you got him baby <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I actually know Jimmy pretty well, and that sounds... That's oh, do you? That, yeah, I do. I've known Jimmy for a long time. That sounds pretty spot no. on to me. 
No way. That's big, awesome. Big thrill for me. I mean, I got to know Jimmy years ago when I was WCW magazine editor way back in 2000. Jimmy was, of course, already there. And, man, what a sweetheart of a guy. Jimmy loves everybody. So it was easy he to make does. Does. He does. Jimmy gets along. He told me one time that's his secret to longevity in this business is, you know, he gets a, he, he gets along with everybody. He has no heat with anyone. And it's true. Um, <laughs> he, doesn't. he doesn't. He's another one. Put him and Dan Moss in the same category. Yeah. You can't find a single person that would say anything bad about him. Nope, I've never found one person to have a negative. Uh, anybody that's interacted with Jimmy Hart, I've never heard one person ha- have a bad experience. Uh, but right. let me ask you, do you do any... Go ahead. Call me Darla. I, I don't <laughs> really like... That's just the only thing. Yeah. I, just, I would rather call me Jay, but he, he yeah. loves calling... Oh, oh, hey, Tom! <laughs> he never called me Darling, so I guess you must be closer to no. him than I ever was. So. Oh, okay, okay. Let me ask you, do you do any non-wrestling impressions? Or is it only wrestlers? I, You know, I think it's only wrestlers, but because it's all that I watched. Gotcha. Uh, growing up, I, man, I just... I mean, I, I watched movies with my family and such, but every day it was always something wrestling. I watched every video I could, every tape that I could borrow from a friend or purchase at these little uh, indie shows. There'd always be these tape or DVD vendors. I think everything that I did, I think I just, it's just because I watched wrestling so much and that golden era of, you know, guys like the Jimmy Hart and the Ric Flair is just, I think that's all burned in my head because I just watched it so much. I think if I watched something else, I would be able to do a great impression of, uh, I don't know, Willy Wonka or uh, right. Gene Wilder. Now, if you ask Mick Foley, he'll tell you that I can do a good impression of Gene Wilder's uh, rendition of There's No Earthly Way of Knowing Which Direction We Are Going and, uh, from that one scene in the movie, but he, he'd be totally wrong. It just amuses him. That's all. It's not gotcha. a good impression. It amuses him. But it, uh, I think wrestling is the only thing that I could do. Only only wrestlers are the good. Oh, man, I'm really trying to think. Yeah, there's just just wrestlers are. That's all. That's my only skill. And it's not really a skill because I can only do two or three. Right. I'm only really good at three of them. Well, let's talk about two of them real quick, right? Randy Savage and Ric Flair. I've heard you do both, obviously. As all, I'm sure everyone listening yeah. to this podcast has what i've never heard though is you doing rick and randy like at the same time would you Mm. could i ask you the huge favor jay i would owe you big time could we get a little sample of maybe a back and forth promo between rick and randy (laughs) the 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 reason that it's tough to do one has to yell and the other doesn't now, my Ric Flair, if I'm not yelling, um, it doesn't, to me anyway, it doesn't sound as good. So you gotta have you got to have a little slur in those words, and the, the, the last part of what you're saying has to be held out. For instance, if you understand. Uh, <laughs> but, but the Flair, the, the best part of the Flair is when I'm yelling, Little girls, uh, look at, uh, at the brothers. So the the hard part is the yelling and then not yelling. Right. And the savage, it's hard to go from a regular yelling voice into the savage because uh, 
for for me, it's this it's this weird muscle in my throat that I have to tighten up uh, in order to get my voice like this. Now it's it's hard to go from a normal voice into holding that muscle in the back of my throat, um, which is probably why I've never tried to do them both at the same time. Um, also, I do have trouble if 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 you want me to say something that I've never heard them say, sometimes that's that can be troublesome for me too. But if uh, if uh, Randy, uh, if uh, if I was wanting a uh, world title shot and the man sitting next to me, uh, he was uh, more inclined to give it up, that would be okay. Well, Randy, uh, you're not getting a shot no matter what you say. Well, that's what I thought, Flair. That's what I thought you'd say. Yeah, huh? So it, it's just killer on the throat <laughs> to actually go back and forth. Um, now, you want to know something, Kevin? Over the years, I feel like the older I get, the harder it is to do both voices. Really? When I did the flair at Impact Wrestling, there were people who thought that flair was actually doing the voice in the back, and I was just moving my lips. Wow, that's the uh, highest that's- compliment you can get. I know, but that's how close it was. But now the 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 more time goes on, I actually feel like it's harder for me to do uh, such a great flair. The the savage one, I think I'll be able to do till I die. Uh, but the flair one, I do feel like sometimes the fair one is the flair one is starting to fade a little bit. Sadly. Uh, well, Jay, I appreciate. I. I uh... I fully appreciate uh, you doing that for us and how <laughs> I had no idea the how tough it could be on the throat and the different muscles it had to. So thank you for gracing us with a, a few minutes of oh, that. I was marking a, that, so that was awesome. <laughs> just a little sample. And one of I have a voicemail on my phone that I'll never get rid of, of uh, Ric Flair leaving a voicemail. And he's obviously drunk. Um, this was maybe three, four years ago. He's obviously drunk, and there's friends at his house. And he's like, I got some friends here that want to hear the machismo, and they want to hear some flair. So you better, you better call me back, brother. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's like I listen to it at least twice a day because I can't believe that flair actually uh, left a voicemail, let alone called me. If you would have told me as a kid that, oh, this guy is going to be calling you when you're an adult uh, just because he wants you to do his impression for his friends. Um, I would have thought you were a liar, but, man, one day I'll post. Uh, he doesn't say anything bad in the in the voicemail, but it is just for me. But one day I'll post it because I just it's pretty funny to me, but I can't believe he's calling me so I can do the impression for his friends. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's. As, as much um, as great as it was, I'm sure, to work with him in front of the camera and in the ring and everything, what a cool memory it is, too, just to have that personal interaction of him calling you and asking you to do the impressions for his friends. Like, that's, that's priceless, man. That's priceless. You know what the, what the, the big takeaway from that to me is uh, when Ric Flair, when I was at Impact Wrestling, when Ric Flair came there, he could have done anything he wanted to, and he did. If he didn't want to do something, he just said it, and it didn't happen. If he wanted to do something, he just said it, and they made it so. 
So the fact that I got to work with him meant, uh, if it wasn't fully his idea, it meant to some degree that he was okay with and willing to do it. Now, the story I heard was it was all his idea. He, As soon as he heard my impression, he wanted to work with me. But just the fact that he wanted to do it, and if at that time he got to do anything he wanted to do, and if he didn't want to do it, it wouldn't have happened. The fact that it did really just, oh, man, I couldn't be more proud and more happy uh, because he wanted it. Um, so that, yeah, that just made my life Yeah, that is awesome. Um, well, Jay, before we wrap up, uh, we, we do a little thing here we call 10 questions, in which I ask, you guessed it, 10 questions um, that are of the lighthearted variety. Uh, so are, will you play 10 questions with us? Sure. Now, now, when I answer, is it just right off the top of my head and I got to spit it out right away? Or are you going to give me a second or two to to think about these questions are they rapid fire what are the rules uh, they're not really rapid fire they're just lighthearted. Okay. uh but okay. i would say yeah first thing that comes to your mind but uh there are no rules jay there are no rules <laughs> okay. okay all right let's, all right let's, let's let's do it and it is now time for 10 questions with kevin all right question number one other than wrestling What's your favorite sport, and who is your favorite team? Uh, baseball and the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, actually, I've actually become pretty good at the baseball game, MLB The Show 20. Um, but, yeah, favorite sport outside of wrestling, definitely baseball. And you've gotten to throw out the first pitch a few times. At the, you you want to know something? I actually, that might be, because I've never been that big into sports until recently. And I think the fact that I've thrown out the first pitch, I think three or four times now uh, for various different teams. Yeah, uh, you know, four times. Um, I think that may aid in the fact of me liking, and I'm not trying to switch my career uh, choice at all here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that might help. The fact that uh, baseball is now one of my favorite sports outside of wrestling. Okay. Well, this this next question I'm going to ask you, this is not part of 10 questions. This is a subset of question one. Oh. Is, how did you okay. do on those? Did, did you get the ball over the plate? You didn't bounce it up there, did you? So the number one rule is don't bounce it. That's right. the number one rule. Okay? So my very first, the very first time I ever pitched, all the 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 some of the players told me, even if you gotta throw the ball high, just don't bounce it. Whatever you do, you 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 rather throw it too high than bounce it. So I remember uh, I wanted to so bad. I was there with a, a guy named Jeff Jones, the judge, uh, who was working with Ring of Honor at the time. And at the time, I was a bad guy. My very first. The very first time I got to do it, which was for the White Sox, I believe. Um, I thought, and I mentioned to the judge, I said, what would happen, because I'm a heel, if right before I threw it, I turned around and launched the ball into outfield and then walk off like, like you know, I'm a, I'm like I'm a, I'm a tough guy, you know? Uh, what would happen? You think they would be pissed? And he goes... I think that would be awesome. You got to do it. Uh, and I remember the the lady in charge of us, uh, which was she had to tell us where to go. Her name was Bean O'Malley. 
And I, I mentioned it to her and she said, please don't do that. I would probably get fired. <laughs> so that is the only reason that I didn't do it. But I remember thinking, man, my God, what if I turned, I wouldn't mean, I, that would definitely make it onto Sports Center. I no would question. definitely make it on the ESPN if I turned around and launched the ball into the outfield. How disrespectful. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't have the guts to do it. Wow. I had never heard that story. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that would have – man, you think how many times there's been a first pitch at a baseball game over the – you know, thousands of times over the years because it happens before every game. I don't think that I've ever seen that. That would have been a first. You would have gone down – you would have been infamous for that, Jay. Right. Forget about, forget about Ring of Honor, Wrestler of the Decade, and most days – forget about all that stuff. This is what you would have been known for forever. The, the team would have hated me. Yes. Uh, but to say, I, I, I threw some okay pitches. Okay. They weren't awful. And, of course, before I did that, I was watching all these videos of worst pitches ever and 50 cent through an awful – I was I just – if I do better than him, at least I'm okay. All right. All right. Good. Very good. Number Question number two. Do you have any hidden talents? Now, we know you're good at impressions. That's not hidden. Is there anything else that you're good at that we don't know about? Hmm. Um, no, you're not good at anything else. That's, that's, that's okay too. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm a one trick pony. It's, it's wrestling or it's nothing with me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself to have any other special talents other than wrestling. So thank God wrestling worked out for me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question number three, what's something on your bucket list? Oh, uh, I think something that just recently got added to my bucket list is I want to own a boat. Um, I've been looking into it, actually. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I would love to to own my own boat. And I think as of maybe two years ago, that just got added to the bucket list. Um, Wrestling in Madison Square Garden was one of them. Getting to work with Ric Flair was one. Uh, so, I mean, I got to check off a few of those being the world champion of a company. Um, but yeah, uh, it's definitely something simple owning, owning a boat. Well, maybe that could be one of your next gimmicks down the line. Captain Jay lethal. We put a little, little, little skipper's hat on you. So it's the the simple things in life. It is. All right. (laughs) Question four, Jay, are you a dog person? Cat person, both or neither? Okay, I am through and through a dog person. And I have, for the longest time, hated cats. Uh, They don't come to you when you call them unless they want to. They've got these weird attitudes. They don't make noise when they walk, so it's scary unless you put a bell on them. Uh, I just, everything about cats I've hated for years, but... Um, I'm actually, you know, I'm warming up to them. I don't think I could ever own one, um, myself as of right now, but I'm warming up to them, but I'm, I'm through and through a dog, a dog person. Yes. We're in agreement on that one. Uh, I I have two daughters. I have two daughters who want a cat, but I'm allergic to them. So it's easy for me to say, no, they can't have one. Uh, see, no cats. 
cats automatically know to go do their business in the litter box. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't. Now that I've man, that's hard to beat. That's true. Because the dogs, you gotta train them, and but the cats automatically know to go in that litter box. That is un. That's 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 tough to beat. That's a but, big selling point. But then you gotta it, it out, right? That's not <laughs> that's not fun. <laughs> so, pluses and minuses. As they said in uh, in Pulp Fiction, dogs got a lot of personality. Personality goes a long way. I'm not sure cats have that personality. But moving on, question number five: Who is your favorite music group or solo artist? Ooh. Uh, you listen to this too. Okay. Well, I am. You want to know something? The only musical concert that I've ever been to um, is by a band named Jethro Tull. Now, they actually sing. At, sometimes if you're in attendance at a Ring of Honor show, you won't see it on live stream or anything because we can't broadcast it. But uh, Jethro, Ring of Honor, especially when Carrie Silken owned it, it became a thing back then, and we kind of just kept it around. But the the starting song is a song by Jethro Tull. Um, and Carrie, being a good friend of his, he actually... Uh, Took me to a few Jethro Tull concerts. I became a big fan of theirs. So my number one favorite band is actually Jethro Tull. Wow. Yeah. And that is. Uh, and the weird part cool. is, the weird part is, uh, at all those concerts, not only am I the youngest person there, um, but I'm always getting weird looks because they can't fathom why I would like. Or how it's happened that I have, even, you know, some of the people who are very friendly and they come up to you, they're like, how do you know this band? Or how, how I have to go into the whole story of, you know, the first time I heard the song, which was at the Ring of Honor show, and this is my best friend Carrie, and blah, blah, blah. So it becomes quite a thing. And I'm actually getting a kick out of it now when people come up to me at the at the concerts and ask me about it, but... Uh, yeah, that's my uh, my favorite band right now is uh, Jethro Tull. All right, question number six, and this this might be my favorite question of the ten questions. <laughs> okay. So, in doing my research for this interview, Jay, obviously I, I know a lot about you and about your career, but I wanted to try and find some things I you know that I didn't know. And one thing I didn't know is some dude named Jamar Cunningham. Who oh. is Jamar Cunningham? Oh, what can you tell me about man. him? <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness um <laughs> i mean is this was this the the member of the cunningham family from happy days that they didn't talk about who is this guy <laughs> so so uh there was this new promotion going to be starting up um and I believe it was going to be run by Court Bauer, if I if I can remember properly. Um, and he asked me to be a part of this new promotion that was starting up. At the time, he offered me more money than I had previously been getting on my, these other shows, which still wasn't much. I was I'm still very new to wrestling, only a few years in. Uh, and, uh, he wanted to change my name and this was not a name that I came up with. 
Um, and when he pitched it, he, he just wanted people to have real names. And uh, my dad has never wanted me to use my real name just because he's always been like this parent. My, there's a little joke going on in my family about my dad being so paranoid or like, you know, you can't use this real this or people are going to get your information. And uh, so my dad didn't want me to use my real name, but this guy wanted a real name <clears throat> and he thought if, you know, if I could just use Jamar, that's a cool name. And maybe we can change your last name to like Cunningham. And I remember when I heard it, all I could remember was, well, this guy's going to pay me more than I've ever been paid before, which, like I said, still wasn't much, but I didn't really care. And I was going to be working for this new promotion. And he was saying how many people were going to be in attendance and how many shows they were going to have. And I was all for it. So I had agreed to this uh, Jamar Cunningham name, um, which, granted, I did I wasn't in love with, but I was in love with the idea of what was supposed to be happening. Um, so I agreed to it, and uh, there was promotion. The show never happened. The, the show never took place. The company never got started, but there was a bunch of hype and promotion put into it, um, and I remember all the posters and all the hype on the internet was was Jamar Cunningham, which was me. Uh, but yeah, that that never officially happened. Um, but that was going to be uh, my name. Yeah. I'm picturing you walking to the ring in a Letterman jacket from Jefferson High School in Milwaukee. <laughs> like that's just that's what I'm picturing. Oh, the the, the Cunninghams, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, question question seven. Uh, this is a little more straightforward. What's your favorite place to wrestle outside the U.S.? You know you've traveled the world. Is there a place that you like specifically besides the U.S. to wrestle in? Uh, it would... Uh, yeah, it would have to be the U.K. Um, one of the coolest things uh, about the U.K. scene that I've fallen in love with uh, the... There's these funky chants. They'll make a, they can make a chant out of, and it seems like it's just spur of the moment almost. They just make the chant, and then everybody in the arena knows it. And for the longest, I couldn't understand how they were doing it. And then I was told that most of them are just like chants they chant at soccer, but they just replace the names with whatever wrestler they're chanting it for. And I, I just, I, I always thought it was the coolest thing. Um, Plus the the venues are a little smaller over there. Everything's smaller over there, so it, it it's because it's smaller, the fans seem closer to the ring, and it seems more intimate. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, wrestling in the UK. Um, that'd be my favorite place outside of America. Okay, fair enough. Question number eight. We've talked about you working with some of your childhood heroes, but here's a. a, a I want to ask now, who is a person? They could be living or dead. Who would you like to sit down and have a conversation with? It would, well, I mean, it would have to be Randy Savage. And here's why. Um, see, I, I um, when I was doing the Machismo character, I met a man by the name of Ed Schumann. He ran shows in the Midwest, um, area if i can remember correctly can't really remember where the shows were i think they were midwest well anyway ed schumann 
he would always tell me, you know, I know the macho man. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. Everybody tells me that because I'm doing this macho man character. Every, you, you'd be surprised how many people have told me they know the macho man. Well, he would always tell me this. Um, and then one time I was doing the show for him. And Ed Schumann says, you know, I was talking to the macho man. And uh, he gave me his number. And he wants, he gave me his number to give to you. And he wants you to call him. And I said, what? And of course, I did not call him because I thought that it was a classic wrestling rib. I thought that, you know, of course, I can't be the only one who can do a good Macho Man impression. I would call this person. They would pretend to be the Macho Man. I would ask a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask or just, you know, be a big fanboy on and they would trick me into thinking that I was talking to the macho man and then have a good laugh about it. So I never called him. Um, and I would, you know, shortly after that, I think I did maybe two or three more shows for Ed Schumann. And he would always ask, did you call him? He told me you haven't talked to him, blah, blah, blah. So finally, after the last time I saw Ed Schumann, I went home and called him. And uh, I maybe talked to the Macho Man. I, I called the number. I talked to him for maybe 30 seconds. Um, but mainly just to satisfy Ed Schumann because I really didn't believe that it was him. Um, and then shortly afterwards, Ed Schumann passed away. Um, and then as luck would have it, while still doing the Macho Man character, I was booked against Lanny Poffo, his brother, in New Jersey. So after wrestling Lanny Poffo, I explained to him that I, I knew this guy named Ed Schumann. And as soon as I said that, he goes, oh, I know Ed Schumann. And I go, you got to be kidding me. I can't <laughs> believe this. <laughs> I, I go, well, Ed Schumann gave me your brother's number, said he wanted to talk to me. He saw my stuff on YouTube um, and thought it was great. And I just, I didn't call. I called once, but I didn't believe it was him. So could you do me a favor, Lanny? Could you figure out if, if, if I really did talk to him and if, if this is, is the num working number, he goes, when I get home, I will call you and let you know. I'll talk to my brother. And the very next day, Lanny called and said, yeah, that was, that was really my brother. Um, he said, it took a while for you to call. I go, I got to call you back. So I hang up with him. Of course, I, I tried to talk to Savage two or three times after that, but it, he was just it was just not good times. He was always uh, in the middle of going out or it was, it was just never a good time. And then, then he eventually passed away, but um, I never believed um, my friend Ed Schumann. So uh, if I got to talk to someone past or present, it would be the macho man. Cause of course those conversation, that very first conversation I had with him, I would have asked every fanboy question in me. I would have asked, man, it would have been, one of the longest conversations I've ever had. I just didn't believe that it was him. So wow, that, that's um, a great just, story. I haven't, I haven't told many people that story actually. So um, yeah, if I if I got to pick somebody, it would be Savage because although I did talk to him briefly, I didn't at the time believe it was him. So I would love to have a, a legit conversation with him. Wow, that is that is a great story. That is a great story. Question number nine. We know your dad is a big wrestling fan. Excluding you, his son, obviously, who are his favorite wrestlers? Oh, he loved Dusty Rhodes. 
uh, oh man, he, uh, I could picture my dad say, he would always say the bull of the woods. <laughs> he loved that term. Uh, my dad loved Ric Flair. Uh, he loved Devon. Um, my dad really loved anybody who could sell really, really good. Like a good heel sell could have my dad in stitches. For instance, the one thing that comes to mind is ravishing Rick Rude, taking in a, the atomic drop, the way he does the twinkle toes while he's <laughs> holding on to his. My dad loved any heel who could sell like that. Um, so, the, I mean, anybody who could sell and make my dad laugh, uh, he was a big fan of. So, um, yeah, as far as a favorite, he didn't have like a number one favorite that he loved of all time. He it was just he loved a bunch of different wrestlers, um, but mainly the ones who could. I mean, Devon sometimes would take a move, and then when he's on the ground, it looked like he was having like a seizure. Yes. He would do this thing, shake. Oh my, my dad could not get enough of that. He just, oh man, I could. It's making me smile right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing him laughing because he's watching that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think as a tribute to your dad at some point, Jay, you need to do one of those uh, Devon seizure type moves or well, take a topic drop ever... and do twinkle toes with Rude. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I used to, there was years and years ago, every once in a while, if I took something, I would do like a Devon shake uh, just, just to pop my dad. But it was real, uh, so far in between, it, I rarely, rarely did it. So few in between, but uh, yeah, he. I, you know what? I I think um, as soon as this wrestling business gets started back up, and the world get back, the world gets back to normal. Uh, I'm definitely gonna do some Devon selling, as my dad would say. I'm I'm gonna be on the on the lookout for it for sure. <laughs> Jay, we have we have come to the to the last question, question ten, uh, and I'm sure you're happy to hear that that we're at the we're at number ten. What's the dumbest question you've ever been asked in an interview? Um, okay, so I feel bad about saying what I'm about to say because some of the people who ask me this, and it's a question I've been asked multiple times, um, there's so much that goes into the answer, but it's just not a simple... Uh, man, especially... Growing up, the first couple years of my wrestling career, even today, sometimes I still get the question. But the question is, uh, how come you just how come you don't go to the WWE? It's the it's the worst question in the world. So even even if I wanted to right now, it's just it's not that simple. You just don't go knock on the door and say, okay, I'm ready to ready to start. But uh, I to, I. I I just hate that question, and uh, because it's just it implies that it's just that simple to do. Right. Um, also, it also implies that you're just not happy where you are, um, which is another thing. I, I don't want to go anywhere else. I love Ring of Honor. And I'm here to stay. Um, so it just it, there's so much that goes into. So I'm a big I'm a big believer in the undertones of a question, um, which is there's so many 
layers to that question, which you are implying that a I shouldn't be where I am, or I'm not happy where I am, or like maybe you think I should. I just ah oh man, so much goes into it, but it's just not that easy. Uh, what do you? I don't know what they expect of me when saying that. Like, oh, you know what? I've never thought of that. Right. Uh, <laughs> maybe they. I just. I don't know. But to me, uh, there's. It's just the worst question in the world. Um, and what a rib that anybody listens to this. Any fan of mine, they're instantly going to ask me that question now out of uh, sheer humor because they know it's <laughs> going to rattle me inside, even if I don't show it. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's probably the worst question that I've ever been asked repeatedly. Um, so yeah, that that's the worst question in the world to me. Well, Jay, on a personal note, I appreciate that you didn't list any of the questions I asked you during this interview <laughs> as the uh, dumbest question, because there probably were a few few candidates, but I did appreciate no. that. <laughs> Jay, I have I have really enjoyed this. You have been so generous with your time, uh, so entertaining. Thanks so much for joining I, us today. Oh, you! I just like I said. I hope I didn't put anybody to sleep. When I listen to my voice back, I really do sound think that I sound like that dry eyes commercial guy, <laughs> that Ben Stein. Uh, nothing against Ben Stein, but he's just got that perfect voice to lull you to sleep. Uh, and yeah, I'll, so I'll probably never listen to this back, um, because of that. So, um, just going off the feel and I mean, I've, I've loved this. I just, I mean, you've been a great host, uh, and I, I've loved the questions. I, the 10 questions is probably my favorite part about the whole thing. That was really cool there. And, um, the, 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 part that we didn't feel like we were on a time restriction too that really because sometimes that'll be in the back of your mind for these these podcasts or these interviews we got to keep this under a certain amount of time so am i sometimes i feel like i'm rushing my answers out so i thank you for for not putting a little time stipulation on me and letting me talk as long as i wanted uh so i, I really enjoyed this thank you very much kevin absolutely well thank thank you again jay and, and thanks to everyone for listening Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor. For news of when and where future episodes of the ROH Strong Podcast will be available. Stay safe, everyone, and let's all be ROH Strong. Hold on right there. This is Our Lethal. And I have to thank everybody out there for listening to the greatest podcast that you'll ever know. And that's the ROH Strong Podcast. Jay Lethal, you're one of the greatest first generation wrestlers. And I appreciate you very much. I look up to you. You know it. Everybody else knows it. And now the world is going to know it. Jay Lethal is one of the greatest inside the ring, one of the best human beings outside the ring, and forever will be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Ooh, baby, you know it.